This week is Home Office Safety and Security Week, a week dedicated to promoting security in home offices. With more people working from home now than ever before, it's a perfect opportunity for us to take a look at the things you can do to protect the data that you handle in your home office. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Helping you stay safe in a connected world. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Hello and welcome to the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast, the safest podcast on the internet. I'm Jim Herman. I have four security alerts for you today. We begin in Austin, Texas, where the police have reported bogus QR codes stuck on public parking meters across the city. Parking meters in many cities do have QR codes that will take you to payment options or the city's parking app, but police say that Austin's meters do not have QR codes. People who scanned the QR codes were directed to a fraudulent website in order to supposedly pay for their parking. Now, this is a very tough scam to prevent. Obviously, if you see a QR code on a parking meter, you're probably going to assume it's a legitimate method for payment. The best way to protect yourself is to look for signage at the parking lot or along the street indicating how you're supposed to pay. If you don't see anything mentioning a QR code, find a different way to pay for your parking. In the second alert, the FBI issued a warning about a new scam using Google Voice. In this case, the scammers aren't actually going to scam you, but they will use your phone number to sign up for the Google Voice service. When Google sends a text message to confirm your phone number, they'll call you. As part of helping them, you will need to provide them with a code that was texted to you. However, the scammers will use that code to set up a Google Voice account that is tied to your phone number. That way, any actions the person takes will be tied back to you and not to them. Presumably, that new Google Voice account will be used for scams or other illegal activity. Don't fall for these so-called authentication scams. No one will ever call you just to ask for an authentication code. You may occasionally be asked to do it while you're on a call that you initiated, but never trust anyone who calls you and then asks you to verify your identity. Our third alert involves a scam targeting Instagram users, although this scam could also be used on many other websites. People began receiving email messages from an account labeled as the Copyright Help Center, which claimed that the Instagram account was in violation of copyright. 
However, this was a phishing email, which contained a link to appeal the issue. Once you clicked on the link, you would be asked to type in your Instagram credentials. This is not a new scam, but it's recently resurfaced, and the hackers have taken the time to make a login form that mimics Instagram's login form very closely. There's two different ways that you can defeat this scam. First, have a policy of not clicking on unsolicited links in emails. Second, make sure you have two-factor authentication set up on every site you can. That way, even if you do fall for the fish, you'll still be protected by the second factor. And our final scam exploits a feature of Google Docs. Google Docs is an excellent collaboration tool, and the ability to make comments on parts of the doc, assign those comments for review, and then resolve them once the discussion is finished is one of the things that makes it so great. However, the comment feature of Google Docs is being exploited to spread malware. Since you can tag people in comments, scammers are using the comments to tag other people and then follow up the comment with a link. Since you're tagged, you will receive an email from Google notifying you of the tag. However, unlike most malicious emails, this email will actually be coming from Google and it will look just like every other Google Docs notification you've received. So it will go straight into your inbox instead of to your spam folder. So if you receive a Google Docs notification from someone you don't know, don't follow any links in the email and don't reply back. Just ignore it, report it to your IT team if it's a work account, and then move on. Do you want to be notified when we release a new episode or when there's an important alert that could affect your online safety? If so, visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash email and sign up for our email list. It will be the safest email in your inbox each week. And don't worry, we won't sell your email address or share it with anyone other than our email service. Once again, that's cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash email. And now, on to today's tip. On March 30th of last year, the Twitter account for the U.S. Strategic Command tweeted a mysterious string of gibberish. Semicolon L semicolon semicolon GML XZSSAW. People were quick to notice this tweet and wonder what happened. Had the social media manager at U.S. Strategic Command accidentally typed a password into Twitter? Did the agency that manages America's nuclear stockpile and missile defense systems have its Twitter account hacked? Was this some sort of secret nuclear code or command that would activate systems? The tweet was quickly deleted, 
and a follow-up tweet instructed the Strategic Command's followers to disregard the previous message. No further information was provided on Twitter, but a journalist at the Daily Dot filed a Freedom of Information Act request, which revealed what happened. The government's response stated, The command's Twitter manager, while in a telework status, momentarily left the command's Twitter account open and unattended. His very young child took advantage of the situation and started playing with the keys, and unfortunately and unknowingly posted the tweet. The move to remote work accelerated massively over the last two years. This week is Home Office Safety and Security Week, a week dedicated to promoting security in home offices. With more people working from home now than ever before, it's a perfect opportunity for us to take a look at the things you can do to protect the data that you handle in your home office. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Helping you stay safe in a connected world. This is Cybersecurity Made Personal. Hello and welcome to the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast. The safest podcast on the internet. I'm Jim Herman. I have four security alerts for you today. We begin in Austin, Texas, where the police have reported bogus QR codes stuck on public parking meters across the city. Parking meters in many cities do have QR codes that will take you to payment options or the city's parking app, but police say that Austin's meters do not have QR codes. People who scanned the QR codes were directed to a fraudulent website in order to supposedly pay for their parking. Now, this is a very tough scam to prevent. Obviously, if you see a QR code on a parking meter, you're probably going to assume it's a legitimate method for payment. The best way to protect yourself is to look for signage at the parking lot or along the street indicating how you're supposed to pay. If you don't see anything mentioning a QR code, find a different way to pay for your parking. In the second alert, the FBI issued a warning about a new scam using Google Voice. In this case, the scammers aren't actually going to scam you, but they will use your phone number to sign up for the Google Voice service. When Google sends a text message to confirm your phone number, they'll call you. As part of helping them, you will need to provide them with a code that was texted to you. However, the scammers will use that code to set up a Google Voice account that is tied to your phone number. 
That way, any actions the person takes will be tied back to you and not to them. Presumably, that new Google Voice account will be used for scams or other illegal activity. Don't fall for these so-called authentication scams. No one will ever call you just to ask for an authentication code. You may occasionally be asked to do it while you're on a call that you initiated, but never trust anyone who calls you and then asks you to verify your identity. Our third alert involves a scam targeting Instagram users, although this scam could also be used on many other websites. People began receiving email messages from an account labeled as the Copyright Help Center, which claimed that the Instagram account was in violation of copyright. However, this was a phishing email which contained a link to appeal the issue. Once you clicked on the link, you would be asked to type in your Instagram credentials. This is not a new scam, but it's recently resurfaced, and the hackers have taken the time to make a login form that mimics Instagram's login form very closely. There's two different ways that you can defeat this scam. First, have a policy of not clicking on unsolicited links in emails. Second, make sure you have two-factor authentication set up on every site you can. That way, even if you do fall for the fish, you'll still be protected by the second factor. And our final scam exploits a feature of Google Docs. Google Docs is an excellent collaboration tool, and the ability to make comments on parts of the doc, assign those comments for review, and then resolve them once the discussion is finished is one of the things that makes it so great. However, the comment feature of Google Docs is being exploited to spread malware. Since you can tag people in comments, scammers are using the comments to tag other people and then follow up the comment with a link. Since you're tagged, you will receive an email from Google notifying you of the tag. However, unlike most malicious emails, this email will actually be coming from Google, and it will look just like every other Google Docs notification you've received, so it will go straight into your inbox instead of to your spam folder. So if you receive a Google Docs notification from someone you don't know, don't follow any links in the email, and don't reply back. Just ignore it, report it to your IT team if it's a work account, and then move on. Do you want to be notified when we release a new episode or when there's an important alert that could affect your online safety? If so, visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash email and sign up for our email list. It will be the safest email in your inbox each week. And don't worry, we won't sell your email address or share it with anyone other than our email service. Once again, that's cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash email. And now, on to today's tip. 
On March 30th of last year, the Twitter account for the U.S. Strategic Command tweeted a mysterious string of gibberish. Semicolon L semicolon semicolon GML XZSSAW. People were quick to notice this tweet and wonder what happened. Had the social media manager at U.S. Strategic Command accidentally typed a password into Twitter? Did the agency that manages America's nuclear stockpile and missile defense systems have its Twitter account hacked? Was this some sort of secret nuclear code or command that would activate systems? The tweet was quickly deleted, and a follow-up tweet instructed the Strategic Command's followers to disregard the previous message. No further information was provided on Twitter, but a journalist at the Daily Dot filed a Freedom of Information Act request, which revealed what happened. The government's response stated, The command's Twitter manager, while in a telework status, momentarily left the command's Twitter account open and unattended. His very young child took advantage of the situation and started playing with the keys, and unfortunately and unknowingly posted the tweet. The move to remote work accelerated massively over the last two years, and it's created some interesting circumstances. From spouses accidentally Zoom-bombing meetings in their underwear, to kids tweeting on behalf of the Department of Defense, there's no shortage of work-from-home fails available to watch online. So if you are working from home, what can you do to protect yourself, your family, and your employer. Here are six steps that you can take. First, use separate devices for work whenever you can. I totally understand this is not always going to be possible, and I've mixed professional and personal work on my devices many times. Plus, if your company tells you to start working from home on your own computer, you don't have too many other options. But a separate device will help make sure that actions you take personally or actions that your spouse or kids take won't hurt your company's information. It can also help make sure you stay within all agreements with your workplace, such as acceptable use agreements. If you must share a device for personal and professional work, make sure you set up a separate profile for your work. You don't want to think you are in personal accounts, but accidentally be in work accounts instead, especially if you're doing something like posting on social media. Many companies have seen their social media manager accidentally post a personal statement on a work account. Second, pay attention to what could be happening behind you when you're in remote meetings. A lot of this depends on the level of privacy that you want. Some people don't mind it if their kids happen to show up on camera once in a while. I've even been in meetings where people's kids have walked in and climbed up on their lap in the middle of the meeting. But if you're someone who doesn't necessarily want your family appearing on camera, especially if you're in meetings with people you may not know very well, do your best to find a place where you can meet undisturbed. And it's a bonus for your privacy 
if you can arrange that place so you're facing toward the door instead of looking away from it. That way, there will be more time for you to react if someone does walk into the room. If rearranging the way you're sitting isn't possible, you can also try having some sign to indicate that you're in a meeting. A text message telling the other people in your house when you'll be on camera might be helpful. You could also try taping a sign to the door when you're getting ready to go into the meeting. All of these could help reduce the interruptions that you might experience. Third, don't share passwords or work resources with other coworkers. When it comes to working from home, especially when it's not expected, it's easy for people to try to figure their way through these issues without consulting anyone else. For example, without thinking about it, someone might just set up a team Dropbox or Google Drive account where everyone puts files that need to be shared. But this can be a problem in many ways. First, if the person who sets up the account leaves the company, the company could lose access to the controls. When I had my IT company, I was contacted by one business who had lost access to some data because it had been configured with someone's personal email account. The company had attempted to reach out to that person, but all of their attempts to contact them had gone unanswered. Unfortunately, there wasn't much I would have been able to do. If the company had a service agreement, they could have contacted Dropbox and worked with them to obtain access. But since the account was considered a personal account belonging to the former employee, that employee was the only one who could resolve the issue. Be careful that you don't set up a service with a community password either. First, this removes the ability to have any idea who actually modified or deleted information. And then second, someone could take their knowledge of that password with them when they leave the company. There have been instances of someone deleting company data because they still had access to shared resources. And finally, your company will probably want to implement security policies in order to protect its data. Back in the second episode of this show, I shared the story of a man who thought he was sharing confidential information with his boss, but accidentally exposed that information to the public instead. If your company sets up the accounts, they can put things into place so you can't accidentally make mistakes like that. So make sure that you communicate with your company's IT department regarding your needs and your department's needs so that they are aware of everything you need and all of the products that you're using. Fourth, do your best to keep others away from your work devices. This one probably comes as no surprise after the story that I told in the introduction. Hopefully, you're in the habit of locking your devices anytime you step away. That's obviously a very good habit to have. But even when you lock your computer, you may also want to consider closing the lid to a laptop. I know of one person who got locked out of his computer because his company's policy only allowed six failed logins. Like our Stratcom Twitter spokesperson, his young kid made it to the computer 
and began playing with the keyboard. Even though the computer was locked, Windows thought the characters were attempts to enter the password, and it locked that person out of his computer after six incorrect attempts. It took calling and waiting for someone in IT to become available in order to get his access restored. And even if your kid doesn't have access directly to the device, there could still be problems. Imagine what a spilled drink could do to your productivity if your kid happened to knock over your glass of water. Fifth, be very careful with the photos that you take in your workspace. Sure, it's fun to post a picture of you at your desk as a humble brag on social media, but that's not always the safest thing to do. Be sure to check what could be on the screen of your computer. Don't take a selfie with anything that someone might consider confidential in the background. Also, check for any notes you may have written down. Notes from a meeting about a confidential project could also be exposed in the background of that selfie. And don't forget, it's possible to zoom into photos many times over. Just because something doesn't look big enough to be seen on your phone doesn't mean it couldn't be seen when someone zooms 16 or 32 times on a large monitor. If you really want to take that selfie, make sure anything work-related is hidden away. And sixth, keep an eye on the physical security of your home. Physical security is something that's often forgotten about when it comes to home offices. However, it can be very important to protecting your company's equipment and information. If someone is able to break into your home and get to your home office, that person could then go steal your work devices or go through all the papers that you have out. If you work exclusively from home, consider investing in a locking drawer or file cabinet to store your papers while you're away. You may also want to consider looking for a security device that can prevent your work computer from being stolen or one that can allow it to be tracked in the event it is stolen. In many cases, your employer might consider paying a small amount for these extra devices, but if not, purchasing it yourself may be worthwhile to save you from the frustration and embarrassment that could happen if someone breaks in and steals your work information. So enjoy working from home. The commute is usually short, the dress style is typically casual, and the fringe benefits, like being able to give your kids a hug whenever you want, are great. Just make sure that you take the proper steps to keep yourself and your employer safe as you're working. And as we draw to a close, it's time for our cybersecurity pop quiz. Each episode, we ask you a question about online security or privacy, and it's your job to figure out the right answer. Our next episode will discuss sneaky ways that companies track you. So the question is, which of these is not currently a way that companies track you? A, surveillance cameras. B, your phone's Wi-Fi connection. C, embedded GPS trackers. D, loyalty programs. 
or E, fingerprint scanners. Come back again next time to find out the answer or visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash pop quiz to submit your guess and get the chance to win a $25 Amazon gift card when we conclude season four next August. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay safe. Thanks again for joining us for the Cybersecurity Made Personal podcast. Check out the show notes page linked in the description for more information about today's tip and a transcription of today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, we would love it if you could visit our welcome page at cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash welcome. There, you can find more information about the show and links to some of our most popular episodes. Cybersecuritymadepersonal.com is provided for educational purposes only. Don't take any action on your computer, phone, or other device unless you understand what you're doing and the possible consequences. Visit cybersecuritymadepersonal.com slash disclaimer for more information. Cybersecurity Made Personal is a production of Personal Tech Media. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, stay safe.